industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I am Leanne Meyer, and I am so happy to welcome everybody back, especially to this show. Uh, I am really excited about it and about my guest. We're calling this show Healing, the Synchrony of Body, Brain, Mind, and Spirit. The founder of holistic nursing is undoubtedly Florence Nightingale in the 19th century, but a very strong debate began about 60 years ago regarding whether that style of nursing should be spelled with an H or a WH. It turns out that that one letter makes a big difference. My guest today is a bona fide living legend in the world of holistic nursing. If you have not heard of Dr. Helen C. Erickson, I would be shocked. If you are, a new, are new to her nursing theory of modeling and role modeling, you will be amazed. It took me a long time after completing my diploma in nursing to decide to return from my BSN. I was at that time, for about 10 years after graduating, I became kind of an arrogant, controlling nurse. I had the idea that I was the expert and uh, every patient needed to listen to me and comply. So definitely not um, my best best aspect of nursing. So mystically, when I did decide to go back to do my BSN, I went to Metro State University, and they had just started using this theory shortly before I came to the course. And I had the fortune to have my eyes open to all of what nurses and nursing could really be. It changed my life and my practice of nursing. So today, it's my great honor to welcome Dr. Helen C. Erickson, Professor Emeritus for the University of Texas at Austin since 1997, and this following a stellar career living in the the principles of her theory of nursing, modeling, and role modeling. I want to explain uh, just briefly this theory, excuse me, modeling is about listening to your patient deeply enough to understand their perspective of the world and what makes sense to them. Then the nurse uses that deep understanding to help the patient clearly understand their situation and consults with them regarding their options, leaving the decisions of what to pursue to the patient radical. So uh, Dr. Helen Erickson, I'll introduce you formally for the first time here. Um, Thank you so much for being on the show. And could you tell us about your thoughts and your experience of modeling, role modeling, and why you have put so much of your life into it. Well, thank you, Leanne, for inviting me to join your show. I'm delighted, and thanks for the introduction. I'm very honored. So now, in response to your question, let me start by saying just a little bit more about modeling and role modeling, just so that everyone knows where I'm coming from. that's great. If you... As you said, modeling is a process we use to step into the world of others. When we do that, our intent is to build a mirror image of their perceptions, what's important to them, what motivates them, what creates barriers for their growth, what helps, what interferes with them having a meaningful life. But 
philosophy. And before we can do this, we have to explore our own philosophy and decide how we perceive others, our beliefs about our role as nurses and human nature. So from my perspective, I believe that all humans have an inherent drive to get their needs met, to live meaningful lives, to grow, and to become the most that they can be. In other words, I think that there's an inherent uh, need in us to become fully actualized as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, we all know for some these things go awry in the early stages of life, and without the help of resources needed, people are unable to find their way, you know? So some people mm-hmm. have a lot of difficulty with this. But while they may have healthy growth, it's very difficult for nurses and other people to see the changes. And so their behaviors don't always represent the growth that is underlying their um, total resource package, shall I say. (laughs) So from my own personal experience, we as nurses can help people enough so that they are able to find some sense of safety, being cared about, and valued so that they can find comfort and growth holistically, even even though they may be taking their last breath. Mm -hmm. Nurses who use modeling and role modeling, learn how to center themselves before entering the space of another human being. They know that centering themselves synchronizes their own energy field. And this is something that's needed to be able to focus on that human being, the humanity of that human being, before we decide what it is we want to facilitate. And I use that word very purposefully. I don't think nurses, holistic nurses, don't fix nor direct. They facilitate growth and healing in other people. So, as I've already said, our job is to um, promote a sense of trust and comfort in the individual. Now, when we center, we have to use unconditional acceptance of the human being's humanity. When we center ourselves before we go into the room of another or the space of another, we have to use unconditional acceptance. We have to step into that, what I call the the cosmic space. It's that spiritual consciousness and realize and remember that every single human being have these inherent abilities to grow and to become more fully who they are. And what they need from us is a sense of dignity and uh, respect and value of their basic humanity. Mm-hmm. So when we do that, we create a, a energetic connection with another person in a meaningful relationship. That connection is based in a sense of trust that meets the person's safety and belonging needs. It facilitates their sense of being cared about and valued by another human being. And all of that within the context of not being with no conditions, let me say it that way. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about unconditional acceptance, what I'm talking about is the humanity of the individual, not their behaviors. Once the person has a sense that we unconditionally accept them as a basic, worthwhile human being, We can then move with them, facilitate them to understand their behaviors in a way that's not helpful to them, if they are unhelpful in their own growth, as opposed to telling them what they have to change. That's not our job. 
Our job <clears throat> is to facilitate their growth, okay? So I call this this um, facilitating trust and feelings of safety and so forth, I call that a sense of affiliation. <laughs> and at the same time that people need to be affiliated, they need to have a sense that they're valued, just as I've said repeatedly here, valued in their own right. They have a sense of dignity and self-worth that's based on who we are as unique human beings. And to be able to do that, we have to maintain a meaningful role in our lives. Okay, so in comes the concept of role modeling. Mm -hmm. Let me just rephrase what I've said. I think people need to have, at the same time, both a sense of affiliation and feeling that there's someone they can trust, have a sense of safety with them, that they're valued without conditions. And -hmm. at the same time, they need to have a sense of their unique self. And this is what I call affiliated individuation. Mm-hmm. So in modeling and role modeling, this dynamic relationship between the need for affiliation and individuation, which we call affiliated individuation, is our job. It's, mm-hmm. it's the way we can focus on the humanity of individuals, understanding what they need, and then we aim to do certain things which are called the aims of intervention in modeling and role modeling, like provide support, help people have a sense of a positive future even when they're taking their last breath. Mm-hmm. And this is, of course, based in the concept that we are more than a biophysical body. We are a biophysical, psychosocial being. And there's more to us than just this body, which carries ourself around. So we, we do this as nurses. We facilitate the affiliated individuation within these contexts. That's when somebody models someone's world we have to listen very closely to what they describe as their perception of their problem, what will help them, what they can do, and what they need us to help. They need help from us to do it, mm-hmm. okay? And at the same time, we have to help them achieve that balance between affiliation and individuation and help them in the role modeling process then is to understand their model of the world, understand where they are with affiliated individuation, and then strategically plan interventions that will help them live those roles in a meaningful way that they want with another human being. Mm-hmm. Now, this is all yeah. sounds very complicated in some ways, but it's so <laughs> simple in other ways. So yeah. I'd like to just give a, a little example here, if you don't mind. Sure, uh, please do. Years, years and years ago, when I was a staff nurse, I had a gentleman who came into our unit, uh, standing tall and strong, who uh, thought they thought he had some joint pain or something wrong with his shoulders and would be tested and so forth. And as the as the um, examinations proceeded, they discovered that he had cancer. Mm-hmm. So over the next two years, he would be treated, repeatedly come in for one type of cancer after another, always Mm. the strong, tall guy who actually was the head of the family. The wife was standing right beside him, sort of a little bit behind, and then there would be the children who were at that time young children, and uh, maybe, maybe in the latest was 15 years old or something of that nature. All would come in. This went on over a period of two years as he came back repeatedly for help. 
Mm-hmm. One day I came into work and I looked down toward his room because they told me he was back. And I saw his family standing outside the door and I couldn't understand what, what in the world was going on because they always looked, oh, well put together. And mm-hmm. in this particular case, they looked like they'd been there overnight, never had had their morning time to brush their teeth or comb their hair, mm-hmm. probably hadn't had anything, and obviously very, very stressed. So I asked what was going on. And the staff nurse said, well, he uh, has come in now, and he's had a cordotomy for pain control. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. They still do cordotomies. I've been told that they do, but uh, back in those days, they, they did do cordotomies for people who had very serious pain that couldn't be controlled by narcotics. And so I thought, well, let's go see what's going on. I went down to the room, walked in, and um, he wouldn't he wouldn't let the family come in the room, by the way. That's why they were standing outside. Okay. Uh, walked in the room and walked over and sat down beside him and said, called, my, called his name and told him who I was and that I was going to be with him that night. And I uh, said, your family's outside and they're very distressed, and I wonder if you can share with me what's happening from your perspective. And he turned to me and he put his hands up in the air, and I still see this. He said, you know, I used to have the world right here in my hands. I was the provider. I was the father. I was the husband. I was a strong man, he said, and look at me now. I'm, I can't move. You know, I can't control my own bowels. I can't control my own uh, body output. And look at me. I'm no good for anybody, and I don't want them in here to see me. Mm-hmm. And I just moved a little closer to him and took his hand and said to him, you know, you still have something that you can offer your family. And he looked at me very puzzled, and I said, what they want is to be with you. What they want is just to have this time with you, and that's what you can share with them, too, is this time. He started to cry, and he said, oh, I hadn't seen it from that perspective. And he gave me permission then to let the family come in one at a time, to not overwhelm the whole situation and so forth. Well, and that's what we did. And so for the next couple of days, families would take their turn coming in, the rest would go home and eat and sleep and so forth. And he, he quietly, peacefully passed in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear from that family for 16 years. I didn't even think about what had transpired in that room. But I did, 16 years later, receive this wonderful letter from his son, who is now an adult, saying, mm-hmm. Dear Mrs. Erickson, I know that I should have contacted you sooner. You'd want to know. Mom passed quietly at home with us sitting by her bedside playing guitar and singing songs because of what we learned from you. And you know, to this day, Leanne, I'm touched by that because at the time I didn't know how powerful it is for not just the patient, but for the family and those Mm -hmm. around you when you use yourself as this instrument of healing. So, I think this is extremely important for us to understand. So when we model someone's world, we have to listen to their needs, their perceptions of what's wrong. He didn't tell me that he had cancer. That was what was wrong. He told me that he felt like he had nothing to offer. Exactly. And the role that I offered him was being with his family. It wasn't doing to or doing for. 
So this that really is touches important. me too, Helen, because um, you've just described my father and kind of as we went into his death, um, some of the feelings that I had about him. So um, you really touched Aww. me. Uh, um, was there an ending you wanted to add to that? I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I, I just wanted to make the point that being with people is far more important than doing things yes. to people. Yep. And sometimes when we understand that, when we step into their world and understand what it is that's important to them and what we perceive, that will change the whole body chemistry. Yes. So uh, that, you know, that yeah. was just something that I wanted to add into this whole idea of holism really means and from you know modeling, role modeling perspective. You know what, Helen, I was thinking this might be a perfect place to play the song uh, that Nancy Hubner uh, sang called Daughter. Uh, you actually mentioned it to me, and I went on YouTube uh, to see it, and it was amazing. So we can't play the whole thing, but I would like to play like a minute of it. And um, oh, that's just terrific. just kind of want to describe a little bit beforehand. Actually, these are your words. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, that universal consciousness that we have is what we feel when we're with another. The sense of being accepted, loved peacefully, uh, and helps people to transcend peacefully. It helps nurses go home and know that one's spirit never dies. It transcends. And there are times in our journey when the most we can do is to facilitate a peaceful transcendence. So um, if we could, I'd like to play that little um, clip right now. Please. I love it. And I would say that this, when I heard this song first, I thought this is the perfect example yeah. of it's, how it's on a holistic nurse. It's on now. It's really busy, plus, you're kind of dangerous, but somehow leaving you feels really wrong when you're not strong. That's where I belong Today I'll be your daughter I'll adopt you as my own It seems you're stuck with me But I'll keep you company I won't let you go Alone. Thank you. Um, I, I could say a little bit more, and you probably could guess that this song was about uh, a nurse who was dealing with a dying COVID patient. Um, and mm -hmm. just that whole concept for nurses um, that they they realize that the family cannot be there and they feel um, that they have to be the family. And so this song throughout talks about how I'm your daughter for today, kind of what you described with the gentleman that was struggling to to leave mm -hmm. and and um, and having to show a softer side to his family. So um, I just love the song. I hope that people can go on YouTube. Her name is Nancy Hubner, and um, the song is called Daughter. 
So um, thank you for both um, the, the intro to this or the run up to this and then also the song. Um, uh, I wanted to talk you, you've talked a lot about um, focusing on the, the person, the human being, and that mm-hmm. particularly, and the gentleman you described, um, is certainly uh, a lot of what we put out for, for men, we have a role for them, and we say, this is what you are, and you're the provider, and you're the strong one, and you're the whatever, and that only works as long as they're healthy and able to fulfill that role. But when that role no longer is there for them, then what? Mm-hmm. Then what? And, you know, there are a lot of men that I know and I've worked with that um, would prefer to be able to have a softer side of themselves put forward. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they don't want to work and support their family, but they also want to be able to get down on the floor and play with their children or be the one that changes diapers, or even be the one that likes flowers. There are, you know, there are so many ways that we can express our own unique way of being. And I think that I I really commend the younger generation because they're moving into a time where it's okay for people to express who they are, what they want to be, and how they want to express that being. Just as women have moved into their own in the last many years, being able to say, I can, I can uh, chop, uh, chop wood if I want to. I can mm-hmm. pound hammers, you know, with hammers and that type of thing. So this ability to let people be who they are and become the most that they can be is one of the things I think is really important in society. But as we do that, nurses have to understand that the only way we can understand who that person is is to step into their world and ask them, And before we can do that, as I mentioned earlier, we have to build a sense of trust with them because if you don't have that trust, they will not express their inner Mm -hmm. self. You know, I can't tell you how many times people have kind of put their heads down and said, I know you're going to think this is really crazy, but, and then they give me a story. And all Mm -hmm. I say is, this is not uncommon. This is the way human beings are. Mm-hmm. But we have to learn how to be able to unconditionally accept that humanity in that individual and that they know best at some level, could be an unconscious level, uh, of what it is they need. So, you know, I think you talked. Okay, excuse me. You, you talked about um, uh, giving people permission to be who they are. And I truly think when mm-hmm. I think back to this holistic nursing coming in, you know, around in the 60 years ago time period, frame a little longer, a little, you know, uh, as it was Uh moving in. But it was that kind of thing where a a large number of people were giving permission. And maybe it started out in in healthcare. I don't know if it started somewhere else, but nurses definitely picked it up. And people like you listen to this concept. The one question I had when I first heard about it as a nursing student, uh, and then again, I kept hearing it from other people as I would try to describe to them what I was doing, is I don't have time to make a relationship with my patient. And I'm sure you've heard that too. You don't have time to not make a relationship, Leanne. You know, uh, I worked before we had ICUs. And Mm -hmm. I worked on a unit where there'd be 17 patients, sometimes two to four of them on ventilators. You know, Mm -hmm. and I was the nurse. I was the evening nurse on that unit. 
on that particular wing, and I'd have one aide. We don't have time to not create that relationship because it's through that relationship we facilitate healing. And mm-hmm. healing facilitates the, the changes in the biophysiology of people. Uh, I, I know from a fact that there's research in this, and I, I remember going to Switzerland and talking to a woman by the name of Barbara Dobbs, who was an ICU nurse, and she said, you know, I do reflexology, which is massaging of the feet to mm-hmm. uh, facilitate uh, synchrony in the energy fields within a human being. And she said, I, uh, a, pay, a doctor came in one day, and he said, Look, I, I don't know what you're doing, but it's changing the way his, his blood pressure's normalizing, mm-hmm. his pulse is normalizing, and so forth. And before that, it was all over the place. So he went out and he wrote on the chart, uh, touch feet four times a day. Well, of course, <laughs> the nurse never told him what she was doing. That's way back in the 70s. But the fact mm-hmm. is, we don't have time not, not to create those relationships. If we do that... We have to remember the body has an inherent ability to heal, and our job is to tap into that which is needed to facilitate that normal healing. And it may be, as I've said before, it may be that they're on their journey of transcending. But people can transcend in peace and comfort, not Mm -hmm. in a state of crisis. So uh, the relationship, you know, we can't, you can't tell me about relationships in terms of, we don't have time because, yep, we don't have time to ignore it. Otherwise, right. we're going to get ourselves in trouble all the time. The and other thing is, other is Helen, if we take you back to right where you were talking about with the, the, the man, um, you know, his mm-hmm. family was distraught outside the door. Obviously, other nurses had tried to talk to him or whatever, and he was oh, just yeah. at a point where he couldn't deal with anyone more. And you walked in and just got close to him. And said, and just listened. Tell me your story. He told you the story, and then you touched him both with your words and with your body language. Your intention came across to him that you were on his side. That took what sixty seconds, maybe oh, two minutes uh, to probably, listen to his story. It, yeah, exactly. But remember too that what I said before was before we move that go into that space, we have to center ourselves create mm-hmm. a synergy in our own energy field so that we can not only be connected to the person from a biophysical perspective, but from a spiritual perspective so we can transcend some of the other stuff that's going on there. And mm-hmm. yes, it only takes 60 seconds. You can learn to do that very fast, and that's how the relationships are established. Mm-hmm. That, that son also said in his letter, every night when we would come on and you'd be there, everybody would breathe deeper, yes. be more comfortable, feel less mm-hmm. stressed. Those are important things, you know, for us to remember. So, Yes, exactly. We're actually coming up against a break. And before we go into another topic, I'd like to do the break and then we can come back again. Um, so this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I am Leanne Meyer, and I am so thrilled to be talking about this particular episode called Healing the Synchrony of Body, Brain, Mind, and Spirit with my guest, Dr. Helen Erickson. And I, her, her um, lifelong uh, teaching and learning and sharing with us is the nursing theory of modeling and role modeling. And um, so I'm delighted to be able to have her here to talk about it in her own words. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. 
to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise WomenInHealthcare.org, a national nonprofit, is our newest partner at Once a Nurse. It is among the most rapidly growing professional development groups for women in healthcare today. Through healthcare education, professional development, mentorship, community, and a focus on self, the organization empowers women with the tools needed to advance their careers. They use initiatives to break down barriers within organizations and equip women with the tools needed to open a powerful force for gender parity. 80% of the healthcare workforce is female, with nurses a massive majority of that percentage. But less than 20% of leadership is female. Join womeninhealthcare.org as they help all women of all ages and all levels rise up. Use code HEALTHPROS to receive $50 off the annual membership fee and receive discounted pricing for events, free resources, webinars, and a substantial discount for our annual leadership summit on October 22, 2020. Womeninhealthcare.org to be where you want to be in the world of healthcare. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Thank you so much for returning uh, to our show. Um, we are talking today, uh, the, the title of this episode is Healing the Synchrony of Body, Brain, Mind, and Spirit. And my guest is Dr. Helen Erickson. Um, I'm so thrilled to have her on. She's uh, li- literally a living legend. And not just for some things, the, the main thing that people know her for is the nursing theory uh, modeling and role modeling. Um, but so much more that she has taught along the way and about humanity and being human herself, etc. As we were uh, on the break, I was thinking about how we had talked about COVID patients and the nurses that are now struggling so deeply to deal with patient after patient dying, to deal with, you know, maintaining their own self of uh, self esteem, uh, trying to support other people and all the other ways that they are really draining. And so I wanted to um, bring this modeling and role modeling uh, into that kind of a situation where nurses are, are just exhausted. So um, 
uh, one of the things you had said to me was that uh, in dealing with nurses with morbid grief, this is when there's so much grief that you are overwhelmed with it and you either don't have time or don't know where to start to deal with, with that trauma. And so it becomes unresolved loss, which we just keep moving with us if we never open that space or take the time to deal with it. Um, the inability to find alter alternative ways of thinking about the loss so that we can, it can be addressed in meaningful ways. Some people call it PTSD. Um, I think it's more than that. And I also call it uh, morbid uh, or um, moral trauma, morbid grief. There's lots of different names for it. Could you address that? How can nurses in this difficult situation use what you're talking about? Well, let me just start with the concept of morbid grief uh, and, and talk about morbid grief is something that evolves a year after or so after the original trauma that you'd mentioned. So mm -hmm. when we're having the trauma, it's normal for us to go into a grieving process because the trauma creates a sense of loss, a mm -hmm. loss of something that's important to us, and loss produces a sense of grieving. And in that grieving process, we either find ways to reframe the experience and learn from the experience so that we can let go, not give up, but let go of the loss and find a way to make that have meaning in our life so we can carry on. Mm -hmm. If we can't do that, then we go into what's known as morbid grief, and that has a whole sequence of consequences of their own. And uh, But I want to go back and talk first about the grieving process and what yes. I think Thank nurses you. can do and, and how they can uh, help each other in this. Let's not ever discount how difficult it is to be in a setting, ICU, ER setting, where we're bringing in these people who are desperately sick and very frightened and very stressed because of their fear, et cetera, and how important it is then for the nurse herself, himself, to understand that they are an instrument of healing in that moment that what they can do is use all that they know about being with people, calming people down, facilitating a different kind of grief response. You know, it's either you can have distress or you can have stress. So helping the nurse learn how to, how to think like I'm talking about so that when they have these experiences, they feel more like Nancy Huebner does in her story or her song, that I am your daughter. I will be here to, to love you, to care about you, to take care of what you need to have done to help you recover, to heal, or what so forth. That is extremely important. And I see so many nurses today and talk to so many nurses that lack that understanding of themselves as the most important thing that they're taking in to that unit, while they will be uh, managing gases and insulin and who knows what all, I mean, watching people, how important it is for them to understand that they have the potential to facilitate a person's heart rate, changing their heart rate, changing their breathing patterns, etc. And that, if they can understand that, and understand that even as somebody is transcending, they can hear everything that's being said to them 
They translate it literally, but they can hear it. So they can speak to that person and say something like, and I've said this to many people, I will always remember you in everything you've taught me. I will take and help someone else because of it. That Mm -hmm. in itself gives somebody a meaning for their life to have existed. Mm -hmm. It may be not very significant, but it, it does help them. I've watched people change their breathing patterns, and quietly move forward. Mm -hmm. People can hear everything that is being said, even under full anesthesia. This has been documented since 1936. So it's not new. And we we as holistic nurses need to use that. It answers your question or brings up others, Leanne. So I'm Mm. here. Yeah, um, definitely. I'm I'm thinking also, so, you know, as we uh, are, I, I'm getting confused here in what I want to bring through, forward. There's so many things I want to talk about. So if the nurse is comfortable with centering herself and putting mm-hmm. that focus of the patient to the best of her ability in that moment that she's with them, um, I agree with you. I think that that goes forward with them. So um, I, I'm thinking in terms of some of the nurses I've talked to who are saying, I've got six patients on drips and um, unconscious on ventilators, and um, I'm so overwhelmed. How can they, in that moment, give that patient the, the feeling that I am here for you when they have well, so much this, that they're yeah. dealing with? This, this, yeah, this goes back to what I talked about before, and that is centering ourselves. You know, when I was caring for 17 patients on a unit and I was the only nurse, I had right. to center myself very quickly as I moved from room to room. When we do that, we synchronize our own energy so we can focus on the humanity of this other pers- this person. We mm-hmm. do it because our unconscious mind is so much more capable than our conscious mind of holding mm-hmm. information. So when I centered my, center, would center myself, I would say, okay, I'm going in here. My intent is to facilitate healing in this person, whatever stage in their journey they might be. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to forget what I know and need to remember about Mr. X in the room that I just came out of. I'm just mm-hmm. putting it on a table in my unconscious mind. And when I do it that way, I'm able then to, when I need to, come back out and say, okay, what was it I needed to remember about Mr. X? It gives me that free access between my conscious and unconscious mind and using my unconscious mind for what it's best for. And that's storing mm-hmm. inner, inner, uh, information. So Mm -hmm. if people can do that, they have to learn how, though, to trust themselves. Mm -hmm. Trust themselves. This is something that I wrote back in the 80s because I'd written the whole, we'd had written, and I'd drafted the whole first book, and then I started talking about it, and I realized that nurses didn't believe in themselves. They didn't trust themselves. They didn't trust their knowing. They didn't trust their unconscious. And I'd learned all of that from my father-in-law years before, so I knew how to do that. And that is say a little I, bit. I think say a little about him. Bring him in. Oh, okay. Well, um, I I started nursing school in '54 and met my fiance in '56 and discovered that by serendipity that he was uh, a very different kind of physician. He was a psychotherapist. 
who believed in mind-body medicine and used hypnotherapy as his particular tool to facilitate healing. Uh, He'd had polio when he was 19, so he had his office at home and had several children running around his home, and his waiting room was in his living room. All of this was not thought of in 56, but uh, when I first met him, he introduced me through a hypnotic state, if you will, to the idea that mind and body are connected in an intertwining way such that you cannot, you cannot separate them. That So we then can move from the conscious into the unconscious by addressing what it is that's important to that person. That helps the person go internal and focus on what they know but they don't know they know and what they want to do that's different than what they're doing. So I had 20-some uh, years with the mentoring and tutelage of Milton Erickson who validated my beliefs, supported them, facilitated me, guided me through, through, through the years, and he's been instrumental, no question about it, in that process. So that's Milton Erickson, my father-in-law, and I'm very honored to be able to bring his name into the discussion. Yes, and that goes along with, um, I think you had mentioned that nurses don't really have a lot of confidence in themselves. And I think in terms of the way I was trained, well, I was trained uh, at a diploma program, and it was put that way, that we were there to support and make the doctors look good and whatever, but not really um, to be comfortable with putting our own opinion forward. I mean, at some points we needed to do that, but I don't think we were given a lot of confidence that we were the people that had the knowledge to be able to say to a doctor, have you considered this? Yeah. Yeah, I would totally agree. I I went to school in the 50s where we were taught the art of nursing and the sciences were taught within the context of the art of nursing why those skills are so important to the biophysiology of the person. So we were taught all of that, and we were taught to do it, but we were not taught to talk about it or record it on the, on the medical, and it was a medical right. record. And yes. so uh, I remember the first day of my going into the unit, my instructor sent me in to check on Mrs. Smith, let's call her that. <clears throat> and when I went in, she had a colon resection for cancer and of course had an IV running and so on that you know and I'm sure I'm sure to this day that what I did was straighten her sheets tighten her sheets roll her a little bit probably massage her back a bit uh position her ask her if she needed if she was comfortable fluffed her pillows all of those artsy things that we learn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but when I came back out and the instructor said well what what did you find and I said I saw her IV's running And I thought I was pretty cool because I knew that the IV was running. And she grabbed me by the back of my neck and pulled me up on my tippy toes. And she said, don't you ever do that again. She said, you look at the face and then the body and then the equipment. And you tell Mm -hmm. me what you've seen in there. And that taught me that not only do you look at it, but you assess it. You assess that person there, who that individual is before you figure out what all kind of equipment's going on in that room. And you have right. to learn to do that fast. You, have, you know, the nursing yeah. is a fast, fast thinking thing. But um, that, that was very important. And so, yes, you're right. Nurses were taught to know but not do. 
uh, or not speak about what they know. And if they did, they had to do it inadvertently, go around the vine. Um, I learned, Leanne, as a staff nurse at the University of Michigan in the, let's see, it was in the 60s, early 70s, that if I wanted the nurses to do something that I thought was extremely important for someone because of their model of the world, I put it on the doctor's orders on the Cardex, and they do it. If I put it on the nurse's side, they wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, nurses have been socialized, trained, educated until the last few years. And the problem that we've had in the last few years is we've become more and more biomedically oriented. So what they're now speaking out about is more about the condition and the disease as a person. Mm -hmm. And so my whole, you know, my whole whammy is I want nurses to learn what it is. It's the essence of nursing, to remember it, to get it into their heart and do heart-to-heart nursing and soul-to-soul nursing. Yes, they need to be able to take care of the biophysical aspects of the human being, but that is not the essence of nursing. The essence of nursing is what we're talking about. And that's kind of what you're talking about. I said first about the difference between holistic with an H or holistic with a WH. Say a little bit more about that. Okay. Well, uh, this has been kind of a, a shuffle that I've been on since the 80s. In the first book I wrote, people, I had a lot of difficulty with people back then understanding that there's a difference between um, working with the parts of a person than working Mm -hmm. with the whole person. Mm -hmm. And the understanding from the holistic perspective with an age that you can't work with the parts because one part affects another part. Uh, That's why I did a master's degree in both med surge and psych nursing. I'm with a combination program because I believe this, and I I think it's extremely important for us to go back and forth to understand that what you say to a person is going to affect their biophysiology. It's going to affect their neurotransmitter cascades. It, It very well can. It doesn't always have to because they don't always trust us, but if they trust us, it will. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you practice from a W, holistic with a W perspective, you tend to look at one part of the person without a full understanding and appreciation for how that affects another part. You may see it, and so you may call in a social worker or somebody else, but you don't use it as a part of the planning, a part of understanding the whole picture. With a holistic perspective, there are two aspects to that. One is you understand the, how the mind and body and spirit and the brain all interconnect. The difference, you know, between the brain and the mind, okay? And the mm-hmm. spirit is not about religion. It's about the spiritual being, the sense of self, who we are mm-hmm. as a human being. It's that spiritual thing that is connected straight up to universal knowing, consciousness. So... There's a difference between practicing from one perspective with a W and the other with a whole. It drives how we think about health. Those Mm -hmm. with a W very often think that persons are healthy when the condition is in control or Mm -hmm. cured or at least being managed and addressed. Or Mm -hmm. on the other side, a person from uh, the H side of the fence would say that health is a humanistic sense of well-being so people can die healthy. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I could go on about this for hours, but uh, <laughs> I, I, it's it's just um, so important to me. Now, yeah, you actually me, have a couple more me, minutes. You can I give an example, or do you want to have yes, a question? Yes, please. 
No, yes, please. Well, and give an example. Years and years ago, my husband, who'd had a, uh, a septal defect, congenital septal defect, and was at NIH having heart surgery. And that was when it was still experimental. And this was in the 60s. And there were three other people that had all their biophysical parameters were either equal to his or better than his. So when he went to surgery and he came back, they told me I could be in the operating room with him for five minutes at the mat, not the operating room, the recovery room, I'm sorry, recovery room with him for five minutes. You know, that was protocol. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would go in for five minutes and he was bleeding when he came back and he continued to bleed and he continued to bleed. And as uh, hours went by, they said, we're going to have to take him back. Well, they'd already told us he had a 60% chance of Mm -hmm. living through the surgery. And if they took him back, he had like a 40% or something of that nature. So, you know, I don't want him going back. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyway, what happened was as uh, time went by, I, I would go in the my five minutes in, and I began to point out to the doctors, look, he's not bleeding when I'm in the room with him. Mm. They said, well, why don't you stay a few more minutes? And and that is exactly what transpired. His When I, they finally let me stay in until he left the ICU. Mm-hmm. Okay, he, left the, he left the recovery. He left the ICU. They let me stay in the whole time because as long as I was in that room with him, he wasn't <laughs> bleeding. Yeah. And, you know, that's the relationship that builds that sense of safety and trust, and it affects the whole body. Now, I said there were three other people. All three of them died. Wow. He's, he, he lived to be 85. Wow. So, you know, I've had lots of experience in, in doing what I'm talking about, and I just want nurses to grab a little piece of it and understand how important their being with people is. Mm-hmm. So I I know I need to stop. We're running out of time. Uh, no, you're, you you're good. Yeah. Um, I what I wanted to do was uh, if there was one thing that you really want everybody to under to understand going away from just this little talk, uh, what would that be? And also, how would they learn more about this if they didn't get it in their nursing program? How might they learn more? So those two things, however, whichever order you want to do them in. Well, let me do the first one first. I want nurses to learn, if they want, if they want to be holistic with an age, to learn that they are instruments of healing, that they are conduits of energy, and if they just learn how to trust themselves, believe in the possibilities. This is not a difficult thing, but it does require self-reflection and reflective practice, and to know that they are unique and special, that they are different than being a doctor or a physical therapist, et cetera. So I would like nurses to take that away. If they want to know more about modeling and role modeling, of course, they can go to the website. They can come to our conferences. Uh, They can contact me and other people. There are a lot of us that believe in this and do this work. Um, I would also invite them to think about joining HNA, the American Holistic Nurses Association, where there are many like-minded people that think like this, that believe that they are instruments of healing. They use different modalities, some of them, than I. Um, but all of them have that sense that within themselves, they have the ability to connect with human beings at an energetic level that's connected both to the biophysical and to the heart and the soul, to the spiritual essence of the being. And we have a lot of fun at those conferences. We meet a lot of mm-hmm. colleagues and clients. And, of course, there's a lot of learning that goes on. So Mm -hmm. with that, um, 
I think just learning to trust, trust themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trust themselves. themselves. Um, yeah. This this is just uh, so enjoyable to me. Um, I just really feel like uh, the holistic nursing that I learned, I think, was more with the WH when I was in nursing school. And it wasn't until I got to my BSN program that I began to understand more of it. I wish we could go longer uh, with this, but we are coming to the end here, so I am going to have to end. But um, this has been um, Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And this particular episode has been called Healing, the Synchrony of Body, Brain, Mind, and Spirit. And my guest has been Dr. Helen Erickson. Um, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me, Leanne. I'm very You're- honored and thrilled to be with you. Um, I also wanted to mention that you and I have been on a committee uh, regarding CompassionCaravan.com, and I'd like to really encourage people to go there uh, for two reasons, because there are so many people there that have this this sense of, of holism and wanting to help others uh, in the same thing. And you have out there some uh, listening circles, so people that maybe don't have access within their hospitals or their own life uh, to this kind of compassion and this kind of caring, that anybody can contact you, right, based on those um, dates and times that they're doing them. So if they go to the compassioncaravan.com, they will be able to find out what days, times, where in the country, et cetera, uh, to be able to do this. And then I just wanted to mention... um, I recently started a page on my website, onceanurse.com, called uh, Caring Corner, to provide resources, stories, connections, and encouragement from nurses everywhere in the country. And um, it's also on LinkedIn and Facebook. Uh, My website is www.onceanurse.com. If you have stories or if you have things that you would like to share with me that I could then share with others, your experiences of joy, sorrow, innovation on the front lines, anything that you think would be of interest to the listeners, please let me know at leanne at onceanurse.com. That's L-E-A-N-N-E at onceanurse.com. I would be, I, I just... Thank you all so much for listening, uh, for sharing, for supporting nurses, healthcare providers, all healthcare workers, and for telling other people about this information. Thank you so much, and we'll, we'll talk again next week. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.